Welcome to Naperville Notables. I'm Liz Spencer, a conversation with people making an impact in our community. Joining me now is Kaylin Rizval, and you're the new CEO and president of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. So this is sort of like a coming home to you. Is it not? You're, you're a hometown girl. I am a hometown girl. I grew up here. I went to Kingsley Elementary School, Kennedy Junior High, Naperville Central, and I got my master's degree from North Central. So we have a lot of red and white around the house still. Yes, it sounds like Team it. spirit. Um, but I'm from here. And, you know, looking back on my education, it's very much what's made me who I am today. And when my husband and I had kids, we were looking at where would we want to raise those kids, and there wasn't a question. And so we came right back to Naperville so my kids could have those same fantastic opportunities I had when living here. So when did you return? What year was that? 2016. Okay. So so a little, you've been here a couple years now. Yeah. That's great. So, but you really, most people would think, well, gee, have you been, a, you know, gone off and, and do business or something <laughs> like that? But no, you really went off to the University of Missouri mm -hmm. to study broadcasting. Yeah, my degrees are in political science and broadcast journalism. Had Good. a fantastic education at the University of Missouri. They have um, what's called there the Missouri Method, which is mm -hmm. all about teaching people journalism by doing journalism. Mm -hmm. You may be familiar with that. I've heard about that. <laughs> but it's great. You know, I was 19 working the assignment desk at the NBC affiliate in Market 131 in the country, you know, working real news and learning real news. And my education there is just fantastic. Um, I believe broadcast journalism is wonderful and it teaches you so much. It teaches you how to be in certain situations. You know, once I hosted a pet fashion show and the next day <laughs> there's a fire and everyone's running away from it and I'm running towards the fire with my camera. And you have to be able to stay calm and read the room in both scenarios. And I believe my journalism education really taught me that. Well, and I, I think I think journalism is really important. Mm -hmm. um, I think yeah, gee, I'm a little biased, but <laughs> but you know, today, I mean, more than ever, mm -hmm. we need to know what's going on, whether it be a very local level like here at NCTV mm -hmm. or to a bigger level, you know, whether you know a larger Chicago Tribune and beyond. So yeah, and we need to be the fact finders. So when right. I was interviewing for this position, that's what I talked about. I said my journalism background makes me a good fit for this position because I'm going to be your fact finder. I'm going to go out there and talk to the people who are members of the chamber of commerce, see what they like and what they don't like, and people who aren't members of the Chamber of Commerce and find out why. I want to look at that spectrum and see where I fit in, where the Chamber fits in, and where we can help the business community. Well, and I think the important part is that you wanted to look at the whole the whole picture, all of it, because everything, mm -hmm. we, as we know, there are more than two sides to every story. Correct. That's right. So you also, when you were at the University of Missouri, you met your husband there. I did. My, um, it's a long story for another time, but the <laughs> second week of college, um, I met my husband. Wow. And he was a year older than me and came up to me at a party. Um, I was in a sorority and he was in a fraternity. And um, we had a mixer and he said, what's your ring size? And I said, five and a half, why? And he goes, one day I'm going to marry you. And I was That's like, awesome. okay. Um, and we had this long going joke back and forth of I'll meet you in Vegas. And we were just really good friends. Mm -hmm. And we went on our first date six years later. So wow. just really good friends and reconnected later um, when he was in law school. And I was a morning anchor in Oregon, actually. Our first date, he called me, said, what are you doing March 31st? Like, I don't know, waking up at 2 a.m. and going to work. And he said, I bought a plane ticket. It's my spring break. I promised myself I'd take you on a date one day, and I'm going to do it. And he flew out, and we had our first date, and we've been together ever since. Wow. That <laughs> is a crazy so story. romantic. Yeah. You know, it could be a little bit of a Hallmark movie. You know? <laughs> it could be. I think there was, like, snow, snow falling, falling in the that's, air or something. It was great. That's awesome. 
So tell me how you you were in news for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that journey. So you were uh, both a reporter and then you anchored. Yeah. So I went from Columbia, Missouri to I was a reporter in um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Reporter, producer, right. photog, editor. I mean, jack of all trades. Thanks, you yeah. learn to do it all, yeah. which I really think helps your education, not just in the journalism world, but in life when you understand how an entire ecosystem and how an entire business works. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved literally coast to coast from South Carolina to Oregon and moved to Southern Oregon. So Medford, Ashland or area. And I was the morning anchor of the ABC affiliate show there. And that was always my dream. I wanted to be a morning news anchor. I loved the morning news. You can show a little bit more personality there mm -hmm. while still connecting with the community. And it's always been important for me to be connected in whatever community I am in. So I loved that. Great experiences. I got to sit in on open heart surgery um, nice. and watch a heart get taken off a bypass right there and learn about some new technology. Um, I got a front row seat when we had Extreme Makeover Home Edition come in town. Mm -hmm. Got to see all of that and really great, awesome opportunities. That's wonderful. How did you, now you didn't stay in the broadcast field. You, mm -hmm. you took a step out into another media role. How did that come about and why? Sure. So my contract, TV News works in contracts That's generally. True. So my contract ended um, two weeks before my husband graduated from law school. And so it just kind of was serendipitous that we both were figuring out our next journey at the same time. And I wanted to move home. Family is very important to me. I'm a big traditionalist. I'm very sentimental. And I wanted to come closer to my family. So we moved back to Chicago. Um, and a little bit after we moved back here, I started working at the Alzheimer's Association, um, which is a cause just so near and dear to my heart. Both of my grandmothers passed away from the disease. And um, I wanted to take my passion for journalism and my passion for helping people and those with Alzheimer's and really turn it professional. And I was able to combine those two. I was able to take my knowledge of how to create a story with journalism and talk to people who are living with the disease, help them tell their stories to other people so we reduce the stigma. So I felt like I was using my journalism training to help people, which is combining two things that I've really always cared about. That's wonderful, and, and, and that's not a, an, an untraditional move in the media. That it, no. News is hard. Anchoring news the is morning hard. show is hard. It's a quick burnout. And people think of it as a glamorous job, and like I said, I, I've had so many wonderful experiences, but I also was working 18-hour days, every holiday, every weekend, mm -hmm. nights. I would get the call in. The producer didn't come in. Can you work, instead of coming in at 2 a.m., can you come in at 11 p.m. and work the whole time mm -hmm. um, for not much more than minimum wage. Right, yes, um, yes. Another misconception. Yes, yes indeed. Um, yeah. It's hard work and um, it's not that I'm afraid of hard work by any means, it's just a different lifestyle. And I knew when my husband and I had started dating that we wanted to have a family and I wanted to be home on Christmas morning right. and not anchoring the morning show. So right. I made that switch early on so that I could have that great work-life balance that we mm -hmm. all try to achieve. That's right. Well, and I always tell people that you know television is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's also a lot of lifestyles a lot of years in one year. You live a lot because those days are so big and so you get a lot done in and one day. And those people you work with are your family. family. Yes, Some of my it. best friends to this Absolutely. day are the people from mm -hmm. my first three markets mm -hmm. of there's something in the newsroom that has this great camaraderie and yep. you just are bonded for life. You are bonded for life because <laughs> you've been through a lot together. Yes. So how do you think all of this experience prepared you for the chamber? First, before, hang on to that, before, what attracted you to it? Because the job came up and the next thing you know you were applying for it. Did you plan on any of this? No. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting when you kind of zoom out at life how all the pieces kind of are all interconnected. 
Um, so I was at the Alzheimer's Association and I was made a manager and had mm -hmm. this great team and loved my job there. But I wanted more and I was yearning for like, I want more training. I think I'm good at this, but I want to make sure I am. I want to I be better. And I just didn't have those opportunities there. And so um, I'm the type of person that if the opportunity doesn't exist, I find it. Mm -hmm. And I was looking, I was like, how can I become better? I can go get a master's. And so I was looking at programs and North Central here in town has a fantastic master's in leadership studies. Mm -hmm. I looked at the curriculum, was like, Every one of those classes is something I want to take. I want to take conflict resolution, you know, global leadership, organizational business. And so I went there really just to better myself um, and in turn better my career, not necessarily knowing what that would look like, but just make myself a better manager. And during that process, I was able to meet a lot of people here in town. And I was able to connect and be like, this is where I want to be. I want to be living back here in Naperville. And if I'm here, um, if I'm living here and I'm here with my family, I don't ever want to be anonymous. I don't want to just run to the store and run home. I want to see people. I want to connect with people and feel like we're all a family, even though it is a big town. And so while I was getting more and more involved in North Central, I kind of felt this pull to, to come back to Naperville. The Alzheimer's Association is located in Chicago, so I, I, cutting down on the commute wasn't a bad thing either. <laughs> and so I heard about the position and someone said, hey, would you ever consider applying for this? And I was like, what? Um, they sent me the job description, I read it, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. Every single thing on the job description is something that I felt like I could do and I wanted to do. So I heard about the position and I just ran at it at first. I did a ton of research about it and found out how I could fit in. Just because I felt that I would be good at the role, I also wanted to make sure the chamber was a good fit for me, mm -hmm. which is why I did the research. And in all of my interviews, I kept talking about this journalism training, about the ability to research everything, about the ability, the learned ability to really look at things, I'd like to think, with an unbiased view and understand what's true and what the facts are. And I think using my leadership skills and my community knowledge and my journalism training, it really brings me together to make a hopefully a good leader for the chamber and for our community. I, th I think you're off to a good start. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about moving the chamber forward, because like everything else right now, um, not-for-profits not are struggling, though mm -hmm. you're, you're a little bit different than your traditional one, but it's a membership-based. Chambers in general are struggling. Those types of organizations have some challenges in this you know, digital, online, social media type of world. So what are your, your thoughts on what you need to do? Sure, well the great thing is, Nick, is Nikki Anderson really yep. put us in a fantastic position. I mean, let's be real, mm -hmm. the foundation she built for me is wonderful and I'm really grateful to her for that. How I'm looking at moving forward. So my generation is not a generation of joiners. You right. know, we're not people who join just because our parents join or because we're supposed to join. We want to see the value in mm -hmm. joining. And so it's my job to show you that value. And I'm kind of using a little bit of your model here. So hear me out. You, when a national news story happens, you can go to thousands of places for the news information. When an Illinois story happens, you can go thousands of places. But when a Naperville story happens, where are you looking? I hope, I hope <laughs> NCTV, I hope You know, so. you're looking here because you're the people who are in the community, who are telling the news, who understand the stories. That's kind of my vision for the chamber, is I want people you can find Google what is leadership. You can find leadership information on the internet. You can find it at a national conference or a Chicago conference. But what you don't have is Leadership Naperville, which is here in town, which is where you get to interact with the mayor, the city manager, and other leaders and get to hear about our town. 
So what I'm doing is kind of taking the model and hyper-localizing it and focusing it on things that are important, that are here, um, and I want people to find their place. You know, we're talking about, we have a great women in business group, a great YPN group. We're adding a few new committees um, in 2020 I'm really excited about. One of them is diversity and inclusion. I want to open up some more conversations and I want the chamber to be a great leader in those conversations. And again, I just want people to find their place. I want people to find their people and not everybody loves a general event. So I'm going to make a little, a few more specific events where people can come and connect with some like-minded people or some different minded people and learn things from each other. That's awesome. What's your first hundred days look like? <laughs> a run? A lot of a meetings. Race? <laughs> um, a race. It's crazy. It's wonderful. I wouldn't have it any other way. I say better busy than bored. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not bored. <laughs> uh, my first hundred days is fact finding. You know, I feel like I keep harping on that journalism training, but I truly see a lot of value in that, is I'm having 15-minute, 30-minute, hour-long meetings with people at their place of business or at my office, finding out what they like. I have these ideas, like the Diversity and Inclusion Committee, but do people actually like them? Now, the reason I feel comfortable talking about it is because what I've heard is yes, yes. People really want something like that. So I'm going out there and kind of beta testing my ideas and doing like mini focus groups mm -hmm. to see if my ideas... Um, have legs. That's awesome. Well, we wish you a lot of luck <laughs> and we'll check back in about yeah. a year and have another conversation. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We're going to be right back with more Naperville Notables. Stay tuned. Stay up to date on what's happening in our neighborhoods and schools at City Hall and all across town with NCTV 17 News Update. Email directly to your inbox once a day, Monday through Friday. This two-minute video not only tells you the latest news, but shows it to you. And that's what's happening right here in Naperville. And the best part, it's free. So sign up today at nctv17.com slash subscribe. Naperville Crime Stoppers. Yes, I'd like to report some suspicious activity in my neighborhood. How does this work? Yes, thanks for calling. Your call is anonymous, and I'll not ask for your name. Instead, you'll be identified by a tip number. In a few weeks, call back with the tip number you received, and I will let you know the status of your tip. If an arrest is made, you could receive a reward up to $1,000. How do I get the reward money if you don't know who I am? Well, when you call back, we set up a time and a place to drop the money. You will be safe, and nobody will know you gave Crime Stoppers a tip. Okay, well, here's what's going on. of downtown Naperville. Treat someone special to a great shopping, dining, or spa experience with downtown Naperville gift cards. Good at more than 150 businesses. Purchase them at four convenient locations or online and have them mailed directly to the lucky recipient. Best of all, there's no purchasing fee. Just choose an amount and send. It's that easy. The perfect gift for anyone at any time. In Naperville, we know that community counts. In fact, it's in our name. As Naperville Community Television, we have the privilege of showcasing what makes this award-winning city a wonderful place to raise a family, to make a living, and to enjoy life's journey. 
That's why it's our mission to capture on camera those special moments that connect us. Those stories that impact our lives. Stories you won't see anywhere else. So watch Naperville Community Television on air, online, and on social media. Welcome to Naperville Notables. I'm Liz Spencer. A conversation with people making an impact in our community. Joining me today is Andrea Ingram, and you're the new CEO of the DuPage Children's Museum. Yes, I am. Well, Thank welcome. you very much. Thank you. Thrilled so, to be here. I'm glad to have you. I'm really interested in talking to you a little bit about your background. I see a lot of child yeah. development in your background, but a lot of different jobs that you used yeah. all that. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it, you'll be surprised. I get that question a lot. How did yeah. you get? How did you go from being a business lawyer to uh, running a, a children's museum and all points in between? Um, you know, I spent the first decade or so of my professional life um, being a, a litigator. And it was a fabulous learning ground for learning how to focus on what was most relevant and to solve problems. Um, and I loved it. And I loved working with people and talking to people. Uh, but I wanted to pivot and apply those skills of advocacy into an arena in which I believed I could really make a difference. So um, I had the great honor of coming back to Illinois and working with Voices for Illinois Children and just some policy icons like Jerry Sturmer and Maria Whelan and John Bowman at what was the National Center on Poverty Law at the time and, and really learning how I could complete that pivot and make a difference in new ways. And that really started with learning about all the things that impact children as they're being developed, all the factors that uh, that families encounter in their journeys that either support them uh, in helping them towards self-sufficiency and the develop whole development of their child or create barriers for them. And so it's really been an immersive process since coming to Illinois. And so you spent a little time at DCE. DCFS as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Incredibly important work. I mean, these really are our most vulnerable yeah. children and families. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a great privilege to be asked to go in and help lead the organization and uh, make the best effort to, to realign uh, and to make some change that would impact um, these youth. And again, it's, um, there is nothing more powerful feeling than being in a position to make a difference for the people most in need. And I think, you know, especially coming from a place like Voices for Illinois Children, uh, and you asked about child development mm -hmm. at the outset, and here I am back in the land of early childhood, but it is really important that a child's development and that architecture of their brain, it, it is so important at the beginning, but they continue on. And at DCFS, you know, learning how to uh, make sure that you continue to worry about the kids in care who are there into their teens mm -hmm. and are trying to move on into adult self-sufficiency, that was just another way of about learning about all the barriers and the challenges that face our families. That honestly, if we come together as a collective and come together to think through these issues, we can all make a difference. And so being in a position at DCFS to do that for a few years with Brian Samuels and the rest of the team, it was a remarkable, um, I, I felt remarkable about that. 
Sounds like a remarkable experience. Yes. <laughs> so how did we get from DCFS to museums? That seems like another pivot. That, well, you know, it, it's not. You know, it's, uh, you know, you asked me about being an advocate. And mm -hmm. is that, did I move from being a child advocate to museums? What's that? I'm still an advocate mm -hmm. to this day. Uh, and what I did was take in the essence of, of child advocacy, uh, which is, not, is worried about the child, but also worrying about all of the adults who influence that child's development, what's happening in their communities, their families, and their schools. I literally matriculated that philosophy, that understanding into a cultural institution. And I gotta say, when I was considering going and working at the Museum for Science and Industry, a mentor, uh, Paula Wolf, kept sending me this uh, job posting and I, I kind of deflected it a few times until it dawned on me that um, I shouldn't worry about the fact that it was about science or it was about education, which at the time I didn't, I didn't consider my strike zone. What I could see is that it was a place I could make a difference and bring those values of impacting a child's whole development into a, an iconic cultural institution and really work to implement um, that change management, those change management lessons in a way that could have a deep influence on how cultural institutions think about engaging with their communities and making sure that they are accessible to the whole community, not just a select few. Right, well, accessibility is key there. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the role that you played at the Museum of Science Industry. So again, the reason the, whole, the role was attractive is because uh, David Messina, the CEO, and the board, incredible board, who really wanted to make a big bang difference in impacting science education in a way that um, was worthy of an institution that has planes, trains, and automobiles, and now tornadoes. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, it by bringing me in, I was given um, the opportunity to make investments in science education that did exactly what I had said before. So what can we do to really support communities engaging around science education around their children? So it's all about not replicating the wheel. Where mm -hmm. are the kids? Who are the adults? So our kids go to out-of-school time um, arenas every day. And those people in those community organizations would love to have an impact on that child and would love the, the resources. So focusing on how, how to do train the trainer models to really extend science education to our community partners, figuring out how to support teachers in the middle grades from our highest, our lowest resource schools and the teachers that had the highest need to learn. So thinking about those strategies, so for me, you know, making sure that the museum was the best place to learn and positioning all of our staff, then thinking about those strategies outside the building that we could implement uh, to make a big bang impact. And so the result of that uh, was a set of programs called the Welcome to Science Initiative, which um, is all about, was all about welcoming people to science, welcoming kids to science. It was for all kids. And the unifying characteristic of the work we did was to eliminate the barriers that stood in the way of kids realizing their full potential in science, technology, medicine, and engineering. That same philosophy now, assessing what we can do here at the DuPage Children's Museum is what has motivated me to come out um, to uh, this area and see what we can do together. That's excellent. Well, you know, I hear from you, you know, advocacy and, and breaking down barriers too. Yes. It's, yes. It's, you know, make, kind of bring it to where you are now, where that child is now. Right. So that's awesome. 
So talk to me now. Now, you know, now you're here at the DuPage Children's Museum. Yep. We're thrilled to have you. You're bringing in this advocacy, this this uh, wanting to get to children where they where they're at, and uh, and a little bit of science background. How yep. does that all play together for you at the DuPage Children's Museum? Well. Uh, what really convinced me to come here was a, uh, a strong board mm -hmm. uh, who, with all these messages, resonated with them and a desire to have an impact. Um, there has been a lot of amazing work done at this institution. Mm -hmm. It is beloved for a reason. It is a fabulous place. It does great work with 45 different school districts. So the foundation is there. Uh, Sarah Orleans, who I, I just met with earlier today, you know, fabulous, righted that ship, developed relationships, and it, it is positioned in all the right ways. Um, thinking in terms of, you know, creativity and STEM and play. Everybody's talking the right talk and walking that walk. And now the opportunity, which is just a gift that I've been given, is to sit back and say, okay, from this platform, what more can we do with our community partners? What role should we fill? And I don't, I'm not sitting here, I'm not coming in on day 11, literally, uh, saying that we know exactly what we're going to do, but we know we're going to do it in partnership, that our, we are not about reinventing the wheel that we understand that there are wonderful people out there working with kids and who are remarkable early childhood providers in a lot of different places. And so it's about finding that niche. What is it that we do particularly well and how, what's the gap in the, our communities, particularly communities of need um, in, in, our, in our area? And what can we do to really help support families in the development of their children and to directly support their children engaging with exceptional opportunities to play. So you mentioned this was day 11 for you. Yes. So what, what does the rest of the, what's your first, the rest of the 89 of your 100 days look like? <laughs> I do some wow. quick math. Yeah. yeah, yeah, boy, that's gonna go fast. It is, it is. You know, um, really diving in and meeting people, um, the response from this community has been remarkable. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, this is a beloved institution and we have a tremendous team. Uh, who is out every day. And so the first 100 days is really about working with the team, understanding what we're doing, uh, what else we could do, but talking to community partners, meeting others who are doing similar work, and then really just understanding the landscape of the area so that when we can sit back together and figure out, okay, how do, how do these values that we share in supporting the development of our young children and supporting their families and those around them. What does that mean? What can we do to really, at a strategic level, support the networks around them uh, to really have the biggest impact? So lots of conversations, lots and lots of conversations, lots of thinking about strategic planning, lots of thinking about engaging stakeholders and developing the processes through which to do that. Well, I think it sounds all exciting. I think you yeah. bring a lot of, of neat skills and passion. Most important, I, I feel your passion yes. for what you do, and I yeah. love that. So yeah. thanks for taking some time out of your 11th day for us. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's it's, been, it's <laughs> been a whirlwind for you, but I, I appreciate it, and we wish you a lot of luck. I'm going to check back with you, too. hope to get Great. you back on Notables in about a year to hear about everything that has gone just super well for you. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time, and this is very exciting for all of us at the Page Children's Museum, and I hope a year from now I will be able to answer 
concretely about what we mean by vision and strategic priorities. That's excellent. Well, it's an exciting time for Naperville too. So yes, thank you is. and welcome. Thank you. And thank you for watching Naperville Notables.